Welcome to the Debutiful Podcast Feed. This is the first taste reading series where each week I invite an author to read from their new book and answer a few short questions. You can find Debutiful on the internet at debutiful.net and on all social media at Debutiful. Today's guest is a writer based in New York. She graduated from the University of Pennsylvania in Cornell Law School. She wrote at night while working as an investment baker, and that became her debut novel, Paper Names. Please welcome Susie Law. Hey, Susie. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, of course. I'm excited to hear you read and talk a little bit about your life and your book. Um, for Tell readers a little bit about what Paper Names is from your perspective. So at its core, I think Paper Names is a story about identity, family, and the immigrant experience. Uh, in the book, we follow the lives of three New Yorkers over the course of two decades. There's Oliver, a handsome white lawyer who lives in an exclusive luxury building, his doorman, Tony, who's a Chinese immigrant, and then there's Tony's daughter, Tammy, uh, and she must reconcile her own American upbringing with that of her parents. Um, an unexpected violent attack happens near the beginning of the novel that intertwine their lives. And then we see throughout the book how each of the characters make decisions that both reflect who they are at the moment and who they really want to become. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what will you be reading for us today? Uh, I'm going to be reading from the beginning of my novel. Perfect. Uh, so chapter one. Awesome. We'll take it away and I'll be back to ask some questions. Great. So chapter one, Tony. 1997. There were bruises on his daughter. Tony counted three, one from when she fell off her bike, another from a game of tag on the playground. The last one was fresh, barely noticeable, a dash of pink on her cheek. It could even be mistaken for blush. Tony scooped frosted flakes by the handful, straight from box to mouth. It tasted like sugary cardboard. His daughter was seated at the table with a rigid posture, her straight back, a silent fuck you. Your cereal's getting soggy, he said. Tammy didn't move, eyes glued to the floor, ignoring both her father and the bowl of golden specks in front of her. At 50 inches and 62 pounds, she hit the exact numbers for an average nine-year-old girl, but Tony knew that she was anything but. She had a ferocious curiosity behind her, beyond her years, and a stubborn will that impressed him as much as ignited his temper. He said, in a sing-song voice this time, do you want something else for breakfast? Again, the little girl didn't reply, and as she tugged on her dress, two sizes too big, Tony's entire body tensed. For a moment, he thought the mark on her cheek had darkened, but it was only a flicker of shadow. He whispered his adopted American phrase of relief, thank God. Not that he believed in God, he could only count on himself. If she let him, Tony would wrap his arms around his daughter and hold her until she softened. He would braid her hair the way she liked, tell her how sorry he was for raising his hand to her the night before but he knew that she wouldn't let him off the hook that easily. His wife, Kim, swept into the kitchen in a bakery uniform. She took one look at Tammy and the untouched bowl of cereal, rummaged through the cabinets, and stuck two Pop-Tarts in the toaster oven. As a sense of cinnamon filled the air, Tammy's lips turned up. Tony clenched his jaw so forcefully that he felt the muscles in his neck twitch. Kim could always sneak a smile out of Tammy. Can I eat my room, said Tammy? Of course not. She knew the rules. Food stayed in the kitchen. Tony waited for Kim to say no, but instead, she brushed her hand against Tammy's back, kissed her on the top of the head, and said, just this once. Without another word, Tammy disappeared. What's the point of having rules if you keep letting her break them, he said. She's still not talking to you? Tony shook his head, defeated. You have to control your temper, said Kim. 
my temper. If I had talked to my father that way, Tammy isn't you, said Kim. She's stronger. Too strong, especially for a girl. He knew he lost control last night, but his daughter had provoked him. He had to parent her. Children needed discipline and boundaries. He was grateful that his own father took the wild out of him. Tony handled Tammy with much more care. Unlike his father, he knew the difference between an open palm and a closed fist. She mocked me in my English, said Tony. Kim sneered. Did you lose face? A phrase that he'd grown up with, defended against. His father used to spit it at him at every opportunity. That one time he missed top honors in the third grade, or when, from the stern of a small fishing boat, he struggled to drag up the net, a three-meter-long cylindrical mesh contraption that was too unwieldy for a 12-year-old boy. Or on his 16th birthday, when his father read out loud a newspaper's rejection letter for a short story. Afterward, he tore up the paper. You wrote about talking calculator? You just made me lose my face. Tony hadn't heard that phrase since he left the village for college. By then, he had made himself unobjectionable. Not only was he brilliant, the top engineering student at Dalian University of Technology, but he also played basketball, a rare meld of brawn and brains in China. Girls hung around the court after his games, hoping for some attention. They all knew he was going places. Everyone, from his professors to his roommates, knew he was special. Every department needs a student like him, they would say. Golden boy. His parents must be so proud. Everyone gave him face. Now his wife and daughter, his new country, his new life kept clawing it away. He wasn't sure how or when he'd earn it back. I'm ready. Tammy had returned to the kitchen with her backpack, her hair swept back in a braid. The top section was uneven and she had clearly missed a step in the one, two, three pattern near the tail. In recent months, she had insisted on styling her long locks herself. Do you want me to redo your hair? asked Tony. What's wrong with my hair? she said, cutting him down with her gaze. Kim gave him a look that said, see, stronger. He saw. His little girl could spar. She had a confidence at her core, a quiet flame that neither him nor Kim possessed. Don't wait for me for dinner. My shift ends at 10, said Tony. Kim nodded. Buy something hot to eat. Let's go, said Tammy, pacing around her mother. Tony held the door open as the two most important people in his life walked out. Thank you so much for reading. Um paper names i want to dive into like your career and how you became and, and now that you are a published writer um you have a jd from cornell you worked in investment banking banking were you always interested in fiction or was that a later interest i uh, it was definitely a later interest i grew up very uh traditionally i was born in china and i came to the states with my parents when i was three and we moved to Flushing for a while. And then I mainly grew up in North Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always reading. So uh, I love public libraries. Like I will support them till the day I die. Because mm-hmm. I think I probably read the entire children's section of my wow. town's public library. My parents would, um, I think twice a week, it'd be Wednesday, Sunday, we'd go to the library and get like a new stack of books. And I just loved, I think, escaping into a different world. And I think that's also how I learned about different kinds of people. And, you know, I didn't travel a lot when I was young. So I got to like go to Paris. I got to go to London, like through books. Mm -hmm. So um, that was always something that uh, came easily to me, reading and writing. And so I think that's why I became a lawyer. Um, It just, you know, it was the safest next step. 
Um, and I really enjoyed my time at the law firm. I worked there for three years. Uh, and even to, to this day, most of my best friends are still from that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, you know, it's different when you're so young and you all like are trying this new uh, job together that's pretty grueling and you just take care of each other. Uh, and then I actually left because I just one day just didn't want to do it anymore. And I traveled through Europe for six months. Um, I went to like Amsterdam, Barcelona, um, Geneva, just all around. And then when I came home, I just wanted to do something creative, but in a um, institution that was also not bureaucratic. Um, so I remember going on the Goldman Sachs website and I searched the word creative in the career portal. And actually my job came up. Um, mm. And uh, that's how I started really working there. Um, in terms of writing, you know, because I didn't dream to do it since I was three, the only way I can, I can kind of explain why I started to do it is that one day I did start to write and then I just kept writing. Mm. And mm. I think of it a lot like, um, you know, why do you love your family and friends? Like you could say things like, oh, they're kind, they're generous, uh, they're understanding. But the truth is a lot of people are those things, right? Like you kind of love them because every night after your long day, you want to go home to them. You want to tell them like the happy moments of your day, like the sad moments, and you're always returning to them. And I think to me, that's what love and dedication is. It's like this commitment to return. Mm -hmm. And I think writing is just naturally like that for me. Yeah. And then, so like, once you start writing, uh, you know, I read that you started taking workshops and like, when did it become just like a passion and something you loved into, okay, I'm going to like go for it. Uh, So I took one workshop uh, right before COVID started. Mm. And I, uh, it was a, I think a six week workshop we met once a week. And it was just like the best part of my week Um, because I was like, in a group of people who like, they were all working professionals, like nurses, um, journalists, and we all had the same dream. Um, That was the first time I'd really even met any writers, much less like aspiring writers or become part of that community. And then when COVID hit, uh, that's when I started writing in earnest because I didn't have to commute to work. And I realized like, the subway is great, but it takes a lot out of you to like, my commute both ways was like, 40 to 50 minutes Uh, so together it's like an hour and a half and taking that out of my day and you know I didn't have to get ready the same way um so I would write very late at night after work uh so um yeah I kind of just I I'm really glad I was able to use that time when I felt so anxious you know at the beginning of the pandemic and really channel it into something productive and um that happened to become my passion yeah. Was what you were writing paper names? Like, did it become that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think the first chapter of paper names was in April, 2020. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, you really took advantage of yeah. <laughs> the situation. Um, yeah. So as someone who didn't necessarily grow up thinking about writing and then, you know, yes, you took workshops and you met, you met other aspiring writers. What was the biggest hurdle that you had to get over once like you were writing? Um, I think what's really hard about publishing is uh, even if you have an MFA and you have a writing community, it's still kind of a black box on who gets an agent, who actually gets, you know, picked up by a publishing company. Mm -hmm. And I think I actually benefited from not knowing like the statistics of how hard it was to get published. Um, So after I wrote paper names, I actually cold emailed 
uh, 10 agents that Googled. I, I think I literally Googled like best literary agents in New York. Um, and thankfully my agent who's amazing uh, was one of those agents and uh, she signed me like within the week and um, it was just so exciting. From then on, I think that was like the real start of the journey to really thinking that this could be a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I... I think I'm still too conservative to have left my job without, you know, a book deal or knowing that money's coming in from some source. Yeah, definitely. And after like, so you get the agent, the book, what is like the editing process? Like, what are you tweaking? What, what did you learn through the whole process about your writing? Uh, So I'm always trying to get better at my writing because, you know, I, I, I don't have formal training Mm -hmm. and, uh, I read a lot of like George, George Saunders books on like how to write. And I obviously read amazing writers to like uh, get a sense of their style, how they set the mood, how they build character. And actually for paper names, um, we didn't do a lot of edits the first couple rounds. And then it was like two weeks before they were going to send it off to like copy editing, you know, before mm-hmm. like acceptance. Um, my editor brought up something being like, oh, I think this thing should just be a little more impactful. And uh, he meant it as like, let's change this like one to two chapters a little bit. And then, but what he said really struck me. And I actually went back and out of 28 chapters, I took out 20 chapters wow. and I wrote 20 new ones because I, it was the same exact characters. It was almost like I had no, I knew them so well at that point, I could put them into this new space, mm-hmm. like this uh, higher plot line. And it was I think it just took me three or four months to write because I think once you know your characters, that's when writing becomes easy. And I think that's the part of my process I try to focus on the most. Like it's not about the words so much at first as like, who are these people Mm, and building them and knowing them. And after a while, like there are things I wanted the plot to do. And I'm just like, ah, Oliver should never do that now. Like I can't, like, I can't make him do this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah. Characters and like, I talk about this a lot when I talk to writers. It's I, I love like feeling like I know these characters that I could be friends with them, and and I like knowing like, not I mean I'm not necessarily I know, but I like to imagine what their lives are like outside of plot, like outside of this book, mm-hmm. and that's like with the three characters, the points of view. You really struck a chord with me about how how yeah that makes sense. How well you knew where these people would go. Um, yeah. Um, what like you mentioned you read like George Saunders how to write and then other amazing writers what kind of writers have 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 inspired you throughout your journey so far Uh, I will say that the two writers that uh, first kind of put the idea in my head that I could be a writer uh, they were Zadie Smith and Gillian Flynn Mm. kind of odd coupling but I read their books back to back Mm -hmm. White Teeth and Gone Girl and you know, I've been reading for so long, but there was something about each of their voices. I feel like their voices jumped off the page at me. And I felt like, oh, next time I read something by Zadie Smith, I know that's Zadie Smith. Or I feel like I know this is Gillian Flynn. And that just made me think like, maybe I have my own voice Mm -hmm. and maybe I could actually write something and other people could enjoy that. Um, So I love them. But recently I've been reading a lot of um, Shanti Sakharin. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've read Lucky Boy. She just like, she writes like, poetry almost like it's so beautiful and I love that she told such a nuanced story about 
uh, deportation and adoption, even though she didn't personally go through either of those processes. But um, I've read like interviews where she did like so much research into both of those things. And I feel like that's so important to tell those stories. Um, so I really respect her for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is one thing I love about reading in general is the idea of myself experiencing something that I'll never experience. I mean, I think that's why we all read uh, one, at least one of the reasons um, you're in the, like the press material that, you know, I get, it mentions how like this book was inspired by not necessarily your life, but like things you have witnessed or you, you knew of um, what was it like trans like translating moments in your life or friends lives into books like like you talked about like how she never experienced deportation but the resource so like how did you like carefully place these ideas into these book this book I think one thing I had in mind during my writing process is that you know when other people tell me their stories it's not always about like the situation or the words they use it's like a feeling yeah. like after the story so I really try to write in a way where I could have this like you know 75 percent of the chapter set up but the last 20 percent is all like um I'm just really trying to move you so so even though like the situation might not have been exactly of what happened you understand what it feels like to feel like an other person or like you understand what it feels like to um never get the promotion even though you deserve it like um like kind of giving the ends into like a universal feeling I think that's something that that's what people read for I think to connect with other people because even though we're so different I feel like we actually experience a lot of the same feelings even if they're from different situations so I, I and then you mentioned the two writers that kind of sparked your joy and that you could be a writer, Flynn and Smith. Um, what have you been reading recently? Like now it's post pandemic life is kind of back to normal. Uh, you're writing. What do you, what have you been reading though? Uh, so I have been rereading a lot because I'm writing cool. my second book and yeah. I find it sometimes difficult to read a new book. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love uh, anything by Jack Livings because mm. I feel like his writing style can be similar to mine that it's rather paired back prose. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a very tight narrative and that's something, you know, I'm always focused on like, how can I make the narrative clear, but tight, but surprising. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and I've also been rereading actually The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini because mm -hmm. I feel like that was probably one of the first books when I was young that made me cry, like just mm -hmm. weep. And um, that book starts at the perspective of a young child as well. Like, mm -hmm. um, like paper names is with Tammy. And uh, I feel like that book just like moved me so much. And that's something I always want to do with my writing. Just like, yeah, try to move people in a way. Thank you so much to Susie for joining the debutful First Taste reading series to read from and discuss her debut novel, Paper Names. You can find her on the internet at suzylaw.com. That's S-U-S-I-E-L-U-O.com. And you can find Debutiful at debutiful.net and on all social media at debutiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Debutiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.